Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and uh, this is Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. That's right. Greetings, sir. Two-part podcast, huh? Yeah. uh, Today, uh, release day, not the day we're recording. We're not that good. But uh, today is December 1st. It is World AIDS Day. And uh, we were going to record this a while ago, and then I noticed it was World AIDS Day coming up. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, why don't we wait and record it later and release it then? And then there was so much stuff that it became clear it was a two-parter. And I still don't think we're going to even... Well, we'll scratch the surface. That's selling it short, but... You could have an entire podcast series about HIV and AIDS. For sure. There's so much information. There really is. It's like uh, daunting. It is, but it's all, luckily because it's such a huge, massive um, topic. Yeah. Um, a, a, an important topic. There's a lot of information out there. So usually we do pretty well with those. Don't yeah. be daunted is what I'm trying to say. Well, I'm just nervous. I, you know, I don't want to mess this one up. <laughs> we will mess something up here or there, I guarantee it. But Yeah, how about this me? then? We pledge, we often read corrections, but we super pledge to correct anything on this. Sure. Because we're bound to mess something up. It's just a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah. Don't you want to start from the beginning? Don't be nervous. <laughs> it's fine. Everybody tell Chuck it'll be fine. It'll be fine, Chuck. So, uh, that was the collective sound of our audience. <laughs> like high-pitched <laughs> Maybe. audience voice. Um, so, Chuck... When you think of uh, HIV AIDS, um, you typically tend to like go back to the late seventies, early eighties, yeah, when like the real panic first started. Um, but it f- later research, and that's about the time it arrived in the United States, yeah. But later research found that um, HIV, the first case of it, came in nineteen fifty nine, actually, yeah. and that they think that um, it goes back. Even earlier than that, but this is the first documented case. They had blood work of this guy who died mysteriously in Kinshasa in uh, Congo, right? Yes. Um, and uh, he had the first documented case of HIV. That's right. HIV-1. Uh, there are two HIVs, HIV-1 and HIV-2. The one that has been responsible for the global pandemic is HIV-1. Right. And uh, there's been a lot of debate over the years about where it actually came from. Uh, most people agreed that it was primates in Africa. Right, that it started as SIV. Yes, uh, simian uh, immunodeficiency virus. Right, HIV, we should say, is human immunodeficiency virus. Yes, and AIDS is acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Yes, they're not separate things. No. It's actually been very much confused in the media. We're going to set the record straight. Yeah, and uh, at the end, boy, how about this for a tease? At the end of the second episode... There's a big musical number. <laughs> no. Three days from now, there uh, is an argument that we should not even call it AIDS any longer. Yeah. So how's that for a setup? People are going to be waiting, or they could just Google it. Or fast forward. <laughs> well, but they can't fast forward in time, my friend. No. But you know? by the time these come out, they'll have been done and they can fast forward. Yes, that's true. So what scientists, I, I believe this is the most current agreed upon theory, <clears throat> is that a type of chimpanzee in West Africa is the source of HIV-1, mm-hmm. uh, which was transmitted to humans. They don't know for sure how, because they were there. Probably bushmeat, undercooked bushmeat. Exactly. You, you know, wanting to eat a chimpanzee mm-hmm. and there's blood and all of a sudden it spreads to humans and mutates. Yeah. Chimpanzees fight back. They do. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Yeah, but yeah, if you ingest blood that was infected with SIV, and then the SIV virus um, evolved into HIV in yeah. humans, that's the likeliest version of what happened it's somewhere in West Africa, probably the 30s or 40s. Yeah, and they. Um, I saw one article that said that they think that it could have originally started in primates even in the 1920s, which is just crazy to think about, like the Roaring Twenties. Somewhere in the the depths of Africa, yeah. SIV was brewing. Right. You know? Yeah. Because it seems like such a modern thing. For sure. Uh, and then uh, in the late 70s and early 80s is when um, these normally healthy people in Los Angeles and New York started getting sick. Mm-hmm. Didn't make any sense. 
1982, uh, they uh, first started using the term um, AIDS. Right. And before that, they had a really clumsy name for it. Um, oh, for HIV? Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. So just the abbreviation is clumsy. HTLV3 slash LAV. That's just the abbreviation. The full name of what was originally the, the term for, um, was it, is it AIDS or HIV? No, for HIV. Human T cell lymphotropic virus type 3 slash <laughs> lymphadenopathy associated virus. Yeah. And I think they all looked around the room at whoever proposed that and said, <laughs> Guys, if we want to ever get this in the news, yeah. let's just sweeten that and shorten it sure. to uh, HIV. You, the person who proposed it, you have to go buy everyone Quiznos for lunch. <laughs> uh, and actually, we should say, Chuck, that this this definitely just kind of glo- – we're giving the fairest overview of this. But um, there's a really, really interesting movie based on uh, what I understand is an equally interesting book called And the Band Played On. Yeah, my brother worked on that movie. That was a great Great movie. I watched it again in the last few months, and it's just as good as ever. Yeah, that's where he got to work with Alan Alda and Lily mm-hmm. Tomlin and like some real legends. So, yeah, there's a lot of people in it. Yeah. Phil Collins does a great job. Oh, is he in it? Yeah, he plays a bathhouse owner who's reluctant to close oh, down. Interesting. Um, but it's it basically chronicles the early investigation into what the heck was going on, what was suddenly killing gay men in San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York. Yeah. And it seemed like it was um, just targeting gay men so much so that early on, like the the non-clinical term for this was uh, gay cancer is what people called it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, doctors were reporting that otherwise healthy men were suddenly getting really, really rare cancers, rare types of pneumonia, stuff that people who have like zero immune systems die from. Yeah. All of a sudden, they were just turning up with this stuff. And um, it was very curious and very scary, especially in the gay community. Sure. And then um, it wasn't until, like, what was it, 1982 or 83, 1983, where they, they identified the virus. And there was a, a there were competing teams, this French team, uh-huh. who most likely did discover the HIV virus on their own. And Alan Alda, the American team, yeah. who may or may not have ripped off their findings and, and unfairly taken credit for it. But you know, I've never seen that movie fascinating it's fascinating it's moving it's got it all yeah it's really good it's, it's like um uh, uh epidemiological detective stories threaded throughout yeah a lot of cultural history it's really really worth watching well and uh <clears throat> in episode two we're also going to get to that book in the um so-called patient zero um which will be coming up on thursday yeah another tease yeah all right so um and we should point out, too, the reason these uh, men were dying of uh, cancers and pneumonia and things like that is because, and um, most people know this by now, a lot of this we think is just common knowledge, but you sure. never know here in 2015. True. You don't die of AIDS. You die of complications from AIDS, infections, other uh, sicknesses and, and diseases, because you can't mount uh, any kind of uh, immune response. Right. Okay. I think that was a good move. <laughs> to say that. Yeah. Well, smooth move, excellent. <laughs> you never know. Like some of this stuff, I'm like, do we really in 2015 have to say this stuff? But you do. Well, the the weird thing is, is you do, especially in 2015 as compared to, say, like 1990. Right. Because um, there's become this idea that AIDS has been, is being largely conquered and it doesn't have to be worried about as much. And not I think, true. I think the education on HIV and AIDS is not nearly as widespread as it once was, like when we were like teenagers. Yeah. You know, like everybody knew everything about AIDS, basically, at least had a, a working knowledge of what AIDS was, how you got it, how widespread it was. And um, it seems like today it's that that kind of public information isn't nearly as widespread. Yeah, I think that's one of the issues now is that um, a large segment of the public is like, yeah, they had the AIDS cocktail. Look at Magic Johnson. It's all great. Sure. And um, it is great. We're going to talk about why he's still with us. But um Mm-mm. It's, it's still a very big problem. Um, here's, a, here's a stat for you. Uh, and these are the most recent stats I could find. 78 million HIV-infected people worldwide uh, to date. Uh, 39 million people dead um, compared to World War II, which killed 40 million people. That helps put it into perspective a little bit. Right. Uh, and Sub-Saharan South Africa, which is where AIDS is uh, and HIV are 
Most threatening. Um, this is a scary stat, dude. One in 20 people have HIV. What? In sub-Saharan South Africa. And wow. they account for 71% of all cases worldwide of yeah. HIV. Man, a lie. I know. It's it's a very dire situation over there, to yeah. say the least. Uh, wow, so, that's, that's, that's especially chilling because if you look at the statistics in the United States, yeah, like it's, it's slowing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it definitely, if you look at the statistics, it seems like it's being figured out. Well, yeah, well, it depends on what demographic though. It's rising in some demos. Right. Yeah, for sure. If you take the United States as a whole, the, yeah. the picture seems okay. But yeah, if you start to break it down into specific subgroups, then yeah, some are, Definitely doing better than others yeah. as far as new infections, death from infections, that kind of stuff goes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so HIV is a, a scary disease, and it was super scary before we knew much about it mm-hmm. because um, it's still technically incurable, although we're going to get to that. There are some rare cases where it's, uh, what do they call it, functionally cured? Yes, Um it does seem like there's at least one person who is widely considered to be fully cured, and he is a proof of concept that you can cure AIDS. And that's coming in part two. <laughs> what are we going to do in part one? We're just, yeah, jam, <laughs> like, we're, we're just talking, basically. Okay. We're, this is all one big setup for part two, apparently. <laughs> no, it's not. So one reason uh, AIDS in, is so deadly is uh, it's sort of a conundrum, because... AIDS, you can't catch it through the air. It's not airborne. You can't catch it from a kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. You can only catch it uh, through very specific ways. Intimate contact. Intimate contacts. You would think, hey, it's not going to be that widespread because uh, intimate contact is something you can avoid. And so it should be a pretty slow spreading disease. Right. And not all intimate contact includes like whips and chains and stuff like that. Intimate contact <laughs> is basically any situation where, um, you know, sure, love. Uh, <laughs> intimate contact is basically any situation where blood is transferred or semen is yeah. transferred. Right. Um, so it, it doesn't necessarily just mean intercourse of any sort. Um, right. It can also mean sharing needles. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely does mean sharing needles, too. That's a, a very high risk yeah. um, subgroup. For sure. Uh, but the reason, and here's the key, that AIDS has spread and HIV mm-hmm. um so widely and quickly is mm-hmm. because it can you can have HIV for more than ten years yeah. without knowing it. Right. And if you are a uh, promiscuous individual, I did a little math. Let's say you have, let's say you're considered highly promiscuous. What 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 do you rate that as? A hundred partners a year. Okay. Which apparently also. So I want to say this too, um, but. AIDS being associated with gay people, gay yeah. men especially, um, is it hit at precisely the worst possible time yeah. in the history of homosexuality sure. in the world yeah. because it came right after right after Stonewall when men were just starting to be like it's all about gay pride, right? And we are loving life and having more sex than we've ever had ever yeah. as a community and having a hundred or, or couple hundred sexual partners in the late 70s among gay men was pretty standard. Yeah, I don't uh, it definitely I don't think it made you an outlier. No. You know. So please continue. So and ca- I caveat all this with I'm assuming well, let me just get into it. Okay. Let's say 100 partners in a year. Let's say 25% of those partners are promiscuous. And Man, then, you, this is so you, then you they just have broke my brain mathematically already. <laughs> then they have a hundred partners, so that's twenty five hundred people. Okay, and and this is not twenty five hundred people who are infected. This is assuming, let's say, that there's a smaller percentage that don't use condoms, and even if you don't use a condom, it's not like every time you have sex you're going to transmit AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a possibility, is what I'm saying. Let's say twenty five percent of that uh, group, twenty five hundred, right, are promiscuous. You end up. From that one single person, 62,500 people who could possibly potentially be exposed if nobody wore condoms Wow! at all. Wow. And, of course, that number goes way down because people are smarter now and use condoms. But in the late 70s, I mean, that number could be accurate, you know? Oh, yeah, easily. So, uh, I mean, what are you going to wear a condom back then for? Nobody's getting pregnant, you know? Yeah, I mean, there was no reason to. Right. 
so you can see how it can spread so quickly. And that is also um, the reason why it stays latent or the reason, uh, the fact that it stays latent for so long. That's the, the big single one. reason why you need to get tested. Yeah. Regularly. Gay, straight, <laughs> black, brown, candy striped. Right. It doesn't matter. Get tested because you may have it and not know it. And HIV AIDS is an outlier as far as diseases go in that there's no, there's no vaccine against it. Yeah. Um, there is, uh, no way to easily treat it. It spreads quickly and because it has what's called late onset symptoms, like you said, people go 10 years after being infected before they realize they're sick. Yeah. Especially if they're not getting tested in the meantime. And so it just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading among people who think they're healthy but who actually have the virus. Yeah, and if you're promiscuous, it's not like you can name the partners you've had over the last decade sure. to tell them maybe you want to get tested. Right. You know? Yeah. And then even more than that, uh, and again, well, so with the gay community, it's such a at-risk um, subgroup. We'll explain why in a second. But one of the reasons why it spreads quickly in the gay community is because it's a relatively small community. Yeah. So that means that the pool you um, have to draw from for sexual partners, statistically speaking, you're at higher risk. Yeah, because it's smaller. Because it is a smaller community. But even beyond that, biologically speaking, they're at higher risk as well, gay men are. Yeah, well, we should just go ahead and talk about that. Let's do it. Uh, The main reason is it's easier to get HIV from anal sex, and that is men and women. Yeah. Because, um, the the well, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, one, the lining of the rectum is very fragile. It tears very easily um, in intercourse. Lots of blood vessels. Lots of blood vessels. Um, the cells that line the rectum are more susceptible to HIV than cells of the vagina. Right. And then uh, semen and uh, rectal mucosa, which is the lining of the rectum, carry more HIV than vaginal fluid. Right. So, boom, right there, you're, I think, 18%. 18 times. 18, oh, yeah, 18 times more risky uh, with anal intercourse than just regular uh, vaginal intercourse. Right. And Am I saying that right? Yeah. You are, yes. And um, gay men and straight women are at equal risk of AIDS through um, through unprotected sex anally. Yes. Because it, it doesn't it doesn't matter that you're a man or not. No, a man's rectum is the same as a woman's. Right, exactly. As far as I know. I'm pretty sure you're right about that. Yeah, I mean, it says in here... Uh, the risk, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, another reason is uh, role versatility is what they call it. Uh, whether or not you're a top or a bottom, you can get it either way by uh, giving anal sex or receiving anal sex. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're kind of in a lose-lose situation. Precisely. Uh, so that, and I never knew that until I studied this. That switching back and forth. No, no, no. Like, why, why do gay men? Get AIDS, oh, yeah. uh, HIV more yeah. than uh, straight people, right? If it's passed through intercourse, and now it all makes sense. Yeah. All right. Going back to why AIDS is so scary and HIV, I feel like we're interchanging those when we shouldn't be. No, let's let's lay this out right here, right now. You ready? Yeah. Because I didn't realize this fully until we started researching this episode. So. HIV is a, it's called a progressive disease. Yes. In that it goes through stages. Yeah. So technically, um, an HIV infection has, uh, zero, stage zero to stage three. Uh-huh. Uh, and all of this is based on the number of T helper cells you have in a milliliter of blood. A normal healthy person has about a million T helper cells called CD plus four cells mm-hmm. in one milliliter of their blood. Yeah. As you, um, as the, the HIV infection progresses, it diminishes the number of these helper cells. And as it goes down, you go to certain stages. So like stage three yeah. HIV is, um, I think 500,000 per milliliter of blood or less. Yeah. And then once you reach 200,000, uh, CD plus four cells in your blood, uh, you have AIDS. Yes. So AIDS is not a separate disease. Right. It's not a, it's not a new condition that 
it, that arises out of HIV. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all a, it's just part of a classification system. Yeah, it's basically end stage HIV. It's stage four HIV. Yeah, and it's really bizarre that they have a whole different name for it if you think about it. But uh, it, AIDS is just basically a, a, the end category of HIV, and it used to be. That was a death sentence. Yeah. Once you had AIDS, you were basically dead. And in the 80s and 90s, especially before, I think, 1995, when the AIDS cocktail, which we'll talk about, came out, it was um, you basically were diagnosed and you were dead in 12 to 18 months. Yeah. That was that. Now it can keep going. You, I mean, people just live for decades now with AIDS. But once you have AIDS, once you have that designation, um, you have that for the rest of your life. Unless you're cured, which has only happened a handful of times. Yeah, and there's a guy named Todd Haywood that wrote this great article uh, saying it's time to retire the medical category of AIDS. And he makes a lot of good reasons why we should just call it HIV disease, Yeah, like you would say heart disease. Right. So we're not going to say HIV disease in this show. <laughs> we're not that big a trendsetters. <laughs> well, I just want to go with traditional terms because uh, so people learn, but... I think there is a good case to be made for that, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, this is also a, another um, another mark in that guy's f- in favor of that argument. Yeah. Is that AIDS was named in like 1983. And True. we've learned so much about this disease yeah. since then. And one of the things we've learned is this is a progressive disease that goes through stages. AIDS is just the end stage of it. Why well, have a different name for it? Yeah. And there's no, it's not the same in any two people. Uh, and <clears throat> HIV disease is just more all encompassing, I think. Yeah. So we're not going to use it. <laughs> Are we, uh, that's going to be tough. What to not say HIV disease? Oh, AIDS, I thought you were saying. I was no. gonna, yeah. Uh, and the final reason, boy, this took like 20 minutes to get back to this. Wait, what are we talking about? The final reason that HIV is, uh, super scary is because of its very unique, uh, way it manifests itself, which is, um, it invades and destroys the immune system. The very system that is supposed to protect you from yeah. disease is uh, ruined. It's yeah. It's HIV is a virus, so it behaves like a virus. But other viruses attack, say, like your uh, fat cell that you could care less about. So who cares? AIDS or HIV attacks your immune system directly. The cells, a specific type of cell of your immune system, and that's what eventually leads to your death. Or used to definitely lead to your death, right? You know, back in the day. Yeah. All right. I think we should take a break, and we will talk a little bit about how it is and is not transmitted. Right after this. All right, Josh, it's uh, 1984. Uh, George Orwell is in charge. <laughs> I'm in elementary school. Okay. And AIDS is a scary thing, and you can get it from toilet seats and mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. And kissing. Yep. And shaking hands. Shaking hands Looking. with people. Yeah. Being too near to somebody. It was very scary as far as times go to be a kid. None of that stuff is true. Think about it, man. We were raised during that horrible little Venn diagram where the Cold War and the AIDS scare overlapped. Yeah. Like, we just basically didn't want to leave our houses. We missed out on the days where free sex and, and drugs was like didn't hurt anybody. Right. And <laughs> just sprinkle in a little stranger danger in there, too. Why not? <laughs> yeah, a little satanic panic. Sure. Man, the 80s. What a crazy time. Now that, you know, we've got a little distance from it. They were crazy. Parachute pants. What was that all about? Culture Club was actually great. Yeah, that's the only good thing about the 80s. Um, The ways that you can get HIV, uh, sexual contact, Mm -hmm. sharing needles, intravenous needles, breastfeeding, mother to baby, um, infected mother to fetus during pregnancy at birth, and blood transfusions, which uh, used to happen a lot and doesn't happen that much anymore. No, and there was, it's another thing for me in the band played on was this big, to do about whether or not um, blood donation centers, say like the Red Cross, should have to test blood for this new disease. Yeah. They were like, do you know how much this is going to cost? It's going <laughs> to completely dent the blood supply. People wow. are going to die because we have to do this. But then as it became very obvious that you this stuff spread really easily through sure. blood transfusions, they definitely started to check it. They came up with a, 
uh, I think, a fairly cheap test for it in um, 1985. Oh, really? Yeah, the FDA approved something in 1985 to test it. But, I mean, without these tests, yeah. Chuck, you have a 9,250 chance out of 10,000 of, of acquiring HIV from a blood transfusion that's infected oh, wow. with HIV. Really? Yeah. Man. Yeah, that, those are pretty high chances. Yeah, totally. Because think about it, in it, for unprotected anal sex, if you are receiving, you have a 138 out of 10,000 chance. Okay. This is 9,250 out of 10,000 chance from a yeah. blood transfusion. I tried to find those stats, actually. I couldn't find that one. Oh, I got some more for you, buddy, if you want them. Well, I was trying to find when I was doing my, my stupid mathematical equation earlier, uh-huh. I was trying to find out the possibility or percentage rate of having unprotected anal sex? Like, what are your chances of getting uh, if you're, HIV? If you're giving, you have an 11 out of 10,000 chance. So 1.1 out of every 1,000 encounters. Okay. So even if my, yeah, that 62,000 number goes way, way down, thankfully. But yeah. I think it's still, you know, this is mentioning. This is based on, and I should say, this is based on the distribution of uh, HIV-infected people uh, across the United States as of, like, I think 2010. Oh, okay. So, um, I mean, it's all statistics, man. It depends on where you are, who you're hanging out with. Um, I mean, if you're, like, sharing needles with, with, like, um, addicts in the street, your risk is probably going to be a little higher than the the national average across the United States. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it definitely is contextual. It's almost to the point where it's like these these stats are meaningless, really. Yeah, true. But they do put a, a, I think stats help people put like a face to things. For sure. The blood transfusion one is a tad eye-opening. Yeah, for real. Um, And then finally, we need to mention, and the only reason we mention this is because technically it is possible. There has been one case of HIV infection through open mouth kissing. Yes, but... I hesitate to even say that. Because people like Josh and Chuck said you get through kissing. So you're, there has to be bloody gums of an HIV-infected person present. I think both people have to have bleeding gums, and one of the people has to have HIV, and they just make out, and the, the HIV is transferred that way. That clearly doesn't happen much. Uh, apparently it happened at least once. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. But yes, you're, you're very... It's extraordinarily unlikely that you're going to contract HIV through open mouth kissing. Uh, it does not transmit. Um, well, here's the good news. This sounds like it's all bad news. The good news is it is not airborne, does not uh, transfer through uh, surface contact. It's very fragile outside the body. Super fragile, which is awesome. Like once saliva or blood dries up, there's practically zero chance of transmission. Right. Um, and... Yeah, it just it doesn't live very long outside the body, which it 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 sounds bad, but it could be a lot worse. Oh yeah, if, you know, if it were super hard transmitted through um, breathing. Yeah, through the air, that'd, that'd be bad. Uh, it is not transmitted through saliva, tears, or sweat. Uh, and saliva and tears have trace amounts of HIV. They have not detected HIV in sweat at all. Right, which is good news for me because mm-hmm. I'm a sweaty guy. It's yeah, it's good news for us. I guess you're right. Uh, insects. Uh, I guess we need to talk about the whole mosquito thing because I think I talked about this in the virus episode. Um, was it virus? It was, it was something. Maybe. I remember. It might have been just the mosquitoes one. Oh, yeah. Maybe so. I remember thinking when I was a kid, like, and this is before I'd read anything about it, I came up with it on my own. It's like, wow, mosquitoes, those are like little needles. I bet they could transmit AIDS. Right. Or, or HIV. And um, it's <laughs> it's not true. So here's why. Yeah. There's very, very good scientific reasons why you can't catch HIV from a mosquito. When a mosquito injects its proboscis into your skin. Gross. Um, it uses its own saliva to lubricate this, this whole thing, right? Gross. Um, and in, when it draws blood out, it can conceivably draw the HIV virus out of an HIV infected person through their blood, right? In theory, yeah. But there's a couple of things that, that, um, happen after that. One, the mosquito goes and digests its blood meal. Gross. Two, the so it doesn't just immediately go to another person and pick up some more blood. Usually. Um, two, the virus does not replicate within the mosquito. Yeah. Uh, and 
three, that virus isn't present in the mosquito's saliva. So Correct. even if it went and drank the blood of an HIV-infected person, got HIV in it, and then went and in, in, injected you and got some of your blood and then went back and digested this blood meal, you still would not catch HIV from that. There would be no transfer of HIV from that person's blood into your body. Yeah, and they've even investigated in like uh, parts of Africa where AIDS and HIV are rampant and where mosquitoes are rampant uh-huh. and transmit all kinds of diseases, and they've still said, nope, 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 right. not happening. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, and then, of course, toilet seats, uh, swimming in a pool with someone, eating at the same restaurant, sharing a fork. Uh, uh, even social kissing, closed mouth kissing. Did you know there was a name for that? Closed mouth kissing? Uh-huh. Yeah, I call it no fun. Social kissing. <laughs> what, like uh, the French do? Yeah, like Frenchies, yeah. Yeah. Or uh, I call that a wedding ceremony kissing. You don't often see people when they say you may kiss the bride just like go full time. Oh, it's gross. <laughs> I think I saw one guy do that once at a wedding. I was like, oh, man. So, oh, man, you come on. do like a nice respectful kiss on the lips. You and I went to a friend's wedding recently and um, they had a nice kiss. Tony and uh, Wendy, congratulations, by the way, guys. What was nice about it? It was not social kissing, but it was not like, ew, gross. It was a, it was a good wedding kiss. A good romantic but tasteful kiss. Perfect. <laughs> Perfectly put. Well, that's nice. I hate that I missed that. Um, <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Maybe I can get my hands on, on video of it or something. Yeah, I'll just share it show with me you. later. Uh, yeah, virus talk with Josh and Chuck, by the way, October 2014. Yeah, but I really think it was the mosquitoes episode that you talked about it in. No, no, no. I mean, we're about to talk about viruses because HIV is a virus. Agreed. And as you learned in virus talk, um, viruses require a host cell because viruses are basically, they're not their own thing. Like they, they, they just are carrying information basically to invade another cell and poop it out in there. Right, exactly. I mean, like, they are the definition of, um, I guess what Dawkins would have called the, sh- the selfish gene. It just, yeah. it, the, the whole purpose, if there is such a thing as a purpose to the universe, the whole purpose of a virus is to create more viruses. Yeah. That's it. And when you think about the effect that a virus like HIV has on human beings and has had on the entire population of humanity. Yeah. Over the last few decades, to think that these viruses aren't even thinking that they're not that all that all of that is just a byproduct of its singular purpose. Yeah, of yeah. replicating itself. It's it's kind of astounding. Yeah, it's just so and creepy. Yeah, it is because it's just like the virus couldn't care less because the virus couldn't care. Yeah, literally, it doesn't have feelings. It's just it's bizarre to think of it like that. Yeah, it tr- it truly is. Uh, so viruses, including HIV, they don't have uh, cell walls uh, or a nucleus. Um, it's just those genetic instructions, and it's got a little protective shell. Mm-hmm. Um, a virus HIV particle called a, a virion, a virion. Mm-hmm. I think both of those are acceptable. All right. Uh, it is spherical uh, and one ten thousandth of a millimeter in diameter. And it has little buds sticking out of the top of it, where it's yeah. basically it docks with the host cell. Yeah. So, um, like you said, it's just some instructions to replicate itself. It's RNA strands wrapped in like a little um, protective shell yeah. made of proteins and lipids, I think. And um, it enters the body and it goes straight for your lymph nodes, I believe. Yeah, because that's where the T helper cells like to hang out. Right. And, of course, because it wants to wreak havoc on your body, it goes straight there. And let's talk a little bit real quick about T helper cells. So, basically, you have T cells, and they are like these, they're like Jaws from James Bond. Okay. Lurch from the Adams family. You rang. Um, and Jason Voorhees Ooh. all rolled into one. Wow. As far as, like, white blood cells in your immune system go. They are mindless, bloodthirsty just killers. Hey, Lurch wasn't a bad guy. No, but he's scary, intimidating. Okay. And you do a pretty good Lurch, by the way. <laughs> that wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a great Lurch. I appreciate it. So It's just vocal fry. These, thing, these <laughs> things are just kind of hanging out. These T-cells T are just hanging out, waiting to be told what to do. So, okay, so there's one more character that they're like, Master Blaster. Oh, yeah. But they need the master guy, right. the little shrimp. Yeah, yeah. And the little shrimp comes in the form of... Of the uh, the CD4 plus T cells, the 
the T helper cells. Yes. They go to the T cells and say, hey, get ready, get all revved up, and go get those guys, right? So HIV goes right to the CD4 plus T cells, the T helper cells, and that's its preferred cell to attack. Those are the ones that it hijacks, and it goes up and it docks with the CD4 plus T cells, and it, it basically takes over. It hijacks it and turns those cells into HIV virion uh, factories. That is correct, sir. And more specifically, there are seven, uh, it's a seven part, um, process in how HIV invades, uh, the T cells. And replicates. Yeah, because I don't know if we said that. The replication is a really big part of HIV and why it's so devastating. Yeah, we did. Did we mention that? We'll talk about it a little more. Okay. Let's let's just get to the nitty-gritty, though. Yeah, and we should point out, too, we're going to talk about the drug cocktail later, and then each stage, there's another, there's a uh, corresponding drug mm-hmm. in the drug cocktail that helps disrupt this process. Yeah. It's like a very smart, multi-pronged approach. It really is. Uh, because the HIV virus is like, what the hey? Yeah, exactly. What's going on here? I can't get anything done. <laughs> yeah. And it just leaps. <laughs> Uh, all right, so part one, binding, is when the HIV actually attaches to the immune cell, the T helper cell. Yeah. And they actually fuse together. Yeah, there's special proteins, or there's proteins on the helper cell that allow these things to dock with it. That's right. It's like a receptor site, almost. Yeah. It's like a couple of uh, rednecks in boats when they tie their boats together out in the lake on 4th of July. <laughs> right. I was thinking more like a space capsule in the ISS, but... <laughs> I guess it's a lower tech version of it. Right it, next tying one, their boats together. One, one man's board. space capsule is another man's party boat. Yeah. Uh, some, some redneck boater who was listening to this and didn't realize he'd be implicated was like, Hey, I'm not gay. <laughs> he just said that to his, uh, his iPhone. Number two, reverse transcription. Uh, reverse transcriptase. It's a viral enzyme. It copies we said that uh, HIV was RNA initially, correct? I don't know if we said that. It's a retrovirus, so yeah. the, the genetic instructions that are inside the virus is RNA, not DNA. Right, but it goes through the uh, the reverse transcription process where the virus's RNA becomes DNA. Right, and it just when it docks with the helper cell, it does this little bit of work on its own. Yes. It says I've, it's got this little enzyme. It runs its RNA through it and. Bloop, there's a DNA strand that it just built, right? Correct. Number three, integration. Uh, now you have your DNA, and it is carried into the cell's nucleus by something called uh, viral integrase, binds with that cell's DNA, and now you are no longer a retrovirus, uh, you are a provirus. Right. But then, strangely, the cell's DNA, the helper cell's DNA, takes this new instruction, these new blueprints, yeah. and spits out RNA again mRNA, correct? Right. It's it's called messenger RNA, and it is instructions on how to build new HIV virions. Yeah, it all sounds very sinister. It does because if you think about it on a on a cellular level, it is like um, it's like it, I'm trying to kill this thing, right? This but body. but it's very insidious in that it's it, it it comes up with it translates its own little instruction manual into the language of the cell. Yeah, inserts it into the cells like main section, the brain of it, and that makes the brain spit out new instructions mm-hmm. that are taken to the rest of the cell. So it almost like it, it gets the stamp of approval from the cell to go for the other parts of the cell to start building these new parts for the virus. Yeah, it, we're totally humanizing it by m- making yeah. it sound like it's nefarious, but it does seem that way. Yeah. You know? It's very interesting. Uh, so that last step was called transcription. Uh, then you have translation. You've got that mRNA at this point. It's carried back out of the cell. This is like a work order. Yeah, exactly. Carried back out of the cell and then basically follows a natural progression uh, where these long chains of uh, proteins and enzymes are strung together. By the own cell's own functions and own components. Yeah, it just starts doing its normal thing. Right, but it's not doing its normal stuff any longer. What it's doing is using its energy and time to build new HIV virions rather than go prime T cells. Exactly. Uh, part six, assembly. Uh, the RNA and viral enzymes, they get together at the edge of the cell. And another enzyme called protease basically cuts 
I don't really understand this part. So imagine what's more efficient than doing like making uh, one cell at a time. Oh, okay. Having somebody just spit out a whole bunch of the same parts yeah, and yeah. then assembling them later. One of the steps of assembly is cutting them into gotcha. individual bits. Okay, that from makes these sense. long chains of polypeptides. Uh, and then finally, budding is when it actually splits off. It pinches out from the cell membrane, uh, becomes its own thing. And uh, one of the key components there is it doesn't have to destroy the host cell in the process. No, it doesn't. Um, uh, there's a lot of viruses out there that just keep building and building and building until they literally rupture the cell. Yeah. And that's how they spread through the body. These, like, say, hey, thanks for a little bit of that lipid action. Mm-hmm. I'm now a new HIV virus. And... Um, but you can keep going on and build some more virions. I don't have to destroy you to spread. It's really a nasty, nasty disease. It really is. And how it works. So eventually the the helper cell does figure out that there's something terribly wrong. Yeah. And it, it self-destructs. But this makes the whole thing even even worse. So the CD the CD4 plus T helper cell mm-hmm. is not a, out there doing what it's supposed to be doing, priming T cells to attack the HIV. Yeah. Instead, it's spending its time making more HIV. And then when it finally is like, this is messed up, something's really wrong, I need to self-destruct, uh-huh. it actually signals other CD4 plus T helper cells to come surround it. And then it basically blows up, taking them with it. Yeah, it's like a mass suicide. It's yeah, it's like it's like a massacre down there on the cellular level. Yeah. So this is one of the things that makes HIV so insidious. Uh, all right, I think we need to take another break because people's sure. minds are exploding at this point, <laughs> yeah. and hopefully expanding. So uh, we'll be right back after this. Um, Chuck, one of the things we also have to mention about HIV and um, one of the other aspects that makes it so difficult to cure or to even treat, um, in addition to these cells like being hijacked, some of these virions that are being produced are just going off and accumulating in other cells, but they're not hijacking it, right? Right. So as far as the cell's concerned, there's nothing weird going on. There's nothing worth blowing yourself up over. It's just um, there's just some extra little virus hanging out on my surface, but who cares? It's fine. Yeah. And these start to spread over that decade from infection to the onset of symptoms. Right. They start to spread and accumulate throughout the body, in the groin area, in your bone marrow, in your lymph nodes, like all over your body. Are these the reservoirs? They, yes. They form HIV reservoirs, yeah. right? And since these things can just hide out and they're not active and then they can become active whenever, it makes HIV a chronic lifelong disease. Yeah. And it makes it really, really difficult to eradicate because the body mounts its own defense against the HIV infection initially. It's those reservoirs that become more and more widespread and and increase in number to where they finally get to a point where your viral load is what it's called. Yeah. There's just so many HIV virions infecting so much of your body that when they do start to finally become active, it just totally overloads your CD4 count and your number just goes down. And all of a sudden you have stage three or four HIV. Yeah. Which is again is AIDS. And, um, we, uh, yeah, thanks for pointing that out. Um, I think that one of the also more dangerous parts is those reservoirs are invisible. Isn't that right? Like immunologically speaking? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, it's just like there's a, there's a virus on the, on the protein outside and that's it. And we're going to talk about the AIDS uh, cocktail and stuff, but even though it is effective, uh, I think they said it's, it's, um, it's so slow moving that it would require 60 to 80 years of the cocktail therapy to completely eradicate the virus. Right. In other words, you can't completely eradicate the virus. I mean, you technically could. It depends. It if depends. you lived to be very old and you got <laughs> right, it yeah. when you were very young. If you acquired it at age 10 and you lived to age 90, then yeah. technically you could probably completely eradicate HIV. That's not the way that this goes, though, you know? Yeah. Well, no, but there have been plenty of kids who get it through other ways, you know? Sure. Yeah, I mean, like, you can be infected as a fetus. Um, and, again, through breastfeeding, I think, are two of the ways you said, right? Yeah, and, you know, with... Uh, I think Ryan White got it through uh, blood transfusion, didn't he? Oh, yeah. 
is well, we'll talk about that too. Man, there's so much future goodness coming. All right, well, we're going to close this episode out with some stats. Um, I went to, uh, and this is for the United States. We've already given some worldwide stats, but, uh, geez, where to start? There's so many, um, estimated incidence of HIV has remained stable in recent years, about 50,000 new HIV infections per year in the United States. But, uh, like we said, some groups, um, are worse off than others. Uh, if you go by groups, um, and this is where categorizing sexuality gets so tricky because you can say homosexual men, bisexual men, or this term that was invented in the mid-90s, uh, MSM, men who have sex with men. Which is meant to be a neutral term Yeah, that's not casting any judgment or anything. Like right. That. It also takes into account dudes who are into like down low stuff who don't self-identify as gay. Right. Um, like it, I'm not gay or bisexual. Everybody. I just have sex with men. Exactly. Every Wednesday, you know, in right. the park. Yeah. And those, those people would be counted in this. Correct. Uh, and there's, we might as well say there's, there's the very people who created that term in the science community. Um, some of them are now lobbying to have that term removed or uh, used more sparingly is, I think is another interpretation. Yeah, and the thought is, and it makes a lot of sense, is, uh, and there's also women sleeping with women, WSW. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, and I'm going to read this directly so I don't goof it up. It said, MSM and WSW often imply a lack of lesbian or gay identity and an absence of community, networks, and relationships in which same-gender pairings mean more than merely sexual behavior. Uh, Plus, it's, that makes it, sense. they are also saying that it's overly broad, too, that you're really not taking into account specifically who you're talking about, you know? Yeah. Like, if you're lumping in Wednesday down-low guys with, um, you know, men who have been openly homosexual since age 16 who are now 60, yeah, those are two totally different communities in, in yeah. most ways, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. And to lump them in together, especially if you're if it's an epidemiological paper, for example, yeah. that's that's doing a disservice to the person you're writing the paper for. Absolutely. So they're, they're, they propose... To just be more specific. Right. Like, you don't have to get away, do away with MSM, but say, you know, Wednesday down low MSM. Right. You know, when you're talking about a specific population. And in your study, cite the the type of subgroups that you studied that participated in the study. Like, you yeah. had 20 Wednesday down low MSMs. You had uh, 30 old gay guys. Right. Surely there's other abbreviations that could come out of this, but they're saying, just be more scientific about this, shall we? Yeah, and I think it started out w- with a well-meaning, For well-intended sure. thing, but um, they're, you know, this whole thing has evolved. Everyone's learning how to best deal with terminologies, you know? Yeah. And we, in <laughs> 10 years, there'll be more specific terminology. For sure. You know, what were you about to say? You had a good joke. You're like, give everybody a break. <laughs> we're all learning as we go. Yeah, we are. We're in this together. So, uh, but risk group-wise... uh. And, of course, it says MSM here, right after we said all that. Uh, they represent about 4% of the male population is all in the United States. And in 2010, they accounted for 78% of new HIV infections and 54% of all people living with HIV uh, in the United States. So, and, you know, we got to the reasons why that, uh, you know, is happening earlier. Right. Uh, and then the, um, let me see here, injection drug users represent 8% of new infections in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, women accounted for 20% of estimated new infections in 2010. And um, what's scary there is there's been a rise uh, in HIV infection in women, uh, a 21% increase uh, from 2008 to 2010. So you know, that's going in the wrong direction. I didn't see it in my research anywhere, but I didn't specifically look for it. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. But I remember hearing not too many years ago that um, HIV was on the rise among the elderly population. Oh, really? Thanks to Viagra. Oh. That there's an, a far greater increase in sexual activity that in, say, like retirement communities or nursing homes even. Sure. Because of Viagra. And they're, but they're just not taking precautions because they're like, I'm, in, you know, I'm 80. Yeah. It's fine, but apparently HIV is on, totally the, makes on the rise among that population. We need to do one on Viagra. I actually looked at that article the other day to suggest it, and it was hard. <laughs> oh, was it? Yes, it was. <laughs> it was dense and difficult. So, I, oh, I see. I what put you that mean. off. Yeah, gotcha. Bad, bad guy. Uh, <laughs> African Americans and minorities in general. Um, Af- uh, African Americans rec- represent twelve percent of the population, but accounted for forty-four percent. 
of new infections in 2010. And I wish we had more recent stats, but we don't. Apparently, that's the most most yeah. recently available, which is surprising. Uh, and the same with Hispanic Latino, uh, a disproportionate affected uh, by HIV compared to their population. So then I was like, well, why is this happening? Um, as far as African Americans and uh, are concerned, there's a lot of debate on what's going on there. Um, but they have found more infections, a shorter survival period, an increased number of deaths, and the most leading theories are uh, poverty. Mm. They, they may be more likely to be uninsured mm. go to, and go to the doctor to begin with. Right. Um, injection drug use, uh, the increases, uh, increases the spread of HIV. And I guess what they're saying is there's less safe injection drug use in the African-American community huh. or less responsible, like getting new, you know, clean sure, needles and stuff me. like that. Yeah. Uh, Plus, there's a, like a heroin epidemic going on right now. I don't think just with the black community. As a matter of fact, oh, I think sure. it's even more popular among like white kids than yeah. black kids right now. But I wonder how much of an effect that's having on the spread of HIV among everybody. Yeah, good point. Uh, and then the last couple, lack of information. Um, you may not, uh, you may be HIV positive, and you don't even know it. And we, I know we talked before about the Tuskegee syphilis experiments and how they're. Mm-hmm. That has led to a general distrust mm-hmm. um, in some corners of the African-American community against medicine and doctors overall. Right. And then finally, uh, a stigma. There's a stigma in the black community um, that still is a gay white disease. And uh, that's why when Eazy-E got AIDS, it was such a big deal. Yeah, it was the Illuminati who injected him with it. <laughs> was that one of the theories? Mm-hmm. You're kidding. No. Wow. Uh yeah, I mean, that was why he was a really big deal, because he put a face to a certain segment of the black population where they're like, wait a minute, you know, if easy can get it, sure. anybody can get it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so those are the reasons they think it's spreading more in the in the minority communities. Um, and are we done with part one? I think so. So do you remember um, when they would do like a very serious two-part different strokes? Oh, yeah. At the end, yeah. normally they would clap at the end, but right. at the end of part one, it would just like go quiet. Yeah, I got no listener mail for I, this. I think we should do that. Okay. So uh, how do we set this up? I think we just stop talking. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.